podcast number 22 for Thanks for Your Service. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. Today we have the pleasure of to talk to Eric Bogle, legendary songwriter, about two of his songs. Joining us on the line from Adelaide in South Australia is legendary folk singer Eric Bogle. Eric, many thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Eric, there are two songs of yours among a huge repertoire from a military perspective and both with an anti-war sentiment that you're well known for. The first being, and the band played Waltzing Matilda, and the second one was No Man's Land, The Green Fields of France. Now, in 1971, uh, when you were in Canberra, you wrote, and the band played Waltzing Matilda. What inspired that song? Uh, the Anzac Day March of that year. Um, it was my very first uh, Anzac Day March. Um, I'd never seen one before. Uh, and if you remember, David, the um, the Vietnam War was still going on at the, that time. Uh, I think the boys came home in '72, and um, there were still Aussie soldiers being killed across in Vietnam. Not that and they seemed to care much, um, but there was big moratorium movement, as you remember, then anti-Vietnam War. So the march was, you know, there was protests and there was disruptions and all that sort of stuff. Um, very different to what we get now. Um, and as I was watching the boys and the old diggers marching along, one of the bands was playing Waltzing Matilda, you know, and I got the hook for the song there, and I thought, well, it's time for an anti-war song, and I'll set it in Gallipoli rather than Vietnam, because Gallipoli is deeply embedded into the psyche of the Australian nation, whereas at that time, most people in Australia couldn't point to where Vietnam was on a map of the world, you know, in spite of the fact our boys were dying there. So that's that was the genesis of the song. In 2001, the Australasian Performing Rights Association named that song as one of the top 30 Australian songs, even though it was written mm. and he performed it in 71, when did the song gain popularity? It sort of, it was very gradual. It never um, sort of gained any commercial success, of course. Um, I think uh, Doug Ashdown, who's a South Australian singer-songwriter, a very good one, I think Doug got it in the lower reaches of the Queensland hit parade way back in 1974 or something. I can't remember, to be honest. I certainly had no um, commercial success, if that's the right word, with it at all. It's been number one in Ireland, believe it or not, um, in 1976 with um, uh, Liam Clancy and Tommy Makem. They had a number one hit with it way back then. Um, but in, in Australia, it sort of gradually osmosed into the Australian consciousness to a point where a lot of people know the song. Um, I've heard it and can remember, you know, and what it's about. But um, it was never a huge uh, media or commercial success. It just sort of 
banned itself onto the Australian consciousness over the last 30-odd years. Now when I was a young man I carried me pack And I lived the free life on the rover From the Murray's Green Basin to the dusty outback Well, I waltzed my Matilda all over Then in 1915, my country said, Son, it's time you stop rambling, there's work to be done So they gave me a tin hat and they gave me a gun And they marched me away to the war And the band played waltzing Matilda As the ship pulled away from the quay And amidst all the cheers The flag waving and tears We sailed off for Gallipoli And how well I remember that terrible day How our blood stained the sand and the water And of how in that hell that they called Suvla Bay We were butchered like lambs at the slaughter Johnny Turkey was white and he'd primed himself well He showered us with bullets and he rained us with shell And in five minutes flat he'd blown us all to hell Nearly blew us right back to Australia But the band played waltzing Matilda when we stopped to bury our slain We buried ours and the Turks buried theirs Then we started all over again And those that were left, well we tried to survive In that mad world of blood death and fire And for ten weary weeks I kept myself alive Though around me the corpses piled higher Then a big Turkish shell knocked me arse overhead And when I woke up in me hospital bed And saw what it had done well, I wished I was dead Never knew there was worse things than dying For I'll go no more waltzing Matilda All around the green bush far and free To hum tents and pegs A man needs both legs no more waltzing Matilda for me So they gathered 
the crippled, the wounded, the maimed, and they shipped us back home to Australia. The legless, the armless, the blind, the insane, those proud wounded heroes of Suvla. And as our ship pulled into Circular Quay, I looked at the place where me legs used to be, and thank Christ there was nobody waiting for me. To grieve, to mourn, and to pity. But the band played waltzing Matilda as they carried us down the gangway. But nobody cheered; they just stood and stared. Then they turned all their faces away. And so now, every April, I sit on me porch and I watch the parade pass before me. And I see my old comrades how proudly they march, reviving old dreams of past glories. And the old men march slowly, all bones stiff and sore. They're tired old heroes from a forgotten war, and the young people ask, "What are they marching for?" And I ask myself the same question. But the band plays waltzing Matilda. And the old men still answer the call, but as year follows year, more old men disappear. Someday, no one will march there at all. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda. Who'll come a waltzing Matilda with me? And their ghosts may be heard as they march by that billabong. Who'll come a waltzing Matilda with me? Your other song, No Man's Land, which is also known as The Green Fields of France or Willie McBride, that you wrote that in 1976. What prompted that yep. song? Well, again, it was a visual prompt. A lot of the songs are visually prompted by something I've seen or observed. Um, in the autumn of that year, my wife and I were in northern France and Flanders and Belgium. And we went round, for a couple of weeks, we went round all the, the mementos, if you like, that are scattered all over that, that part of the world, the, the old battlefields and the trenches and the museums and the monuments and the graveyards, of course. And the graveyards is what made me uh, feel most of all. I mean, 
anybody who's been in that part of the world knows exactly what I mean. Every every corner you turn, it seems there's a few acres more of dead wee boys, and that's what surprised me the most, just how young they were. In contemporary photographs of the time, you see these bearded, uh, haggard old men because they've just been through hell, and that hell ages a person, war ages a man. But in fact, they were very young men. Um, the average age of the confidence in World War One on all sides, I think, was about 19 or 19 and a quarter. I can't remember the exact uh, percentage, but they were just young boys, most of them. So that's what affected me most, and that's why I wrote the song. And Willie McBride, the actual person named in the song, the soldier named in the song, wasn't uh, based on an actual soldier at that particular time. No, that's one of the disturbing and melancholy, the unsurprising uh, happenings of the recent years is that a lot of people have discovered uh, various Willie McBrides buried in Flanders and France. To my knowledge, imperfect knowledge it might be, I think there's about 11 soldiers with the name Willie McBride buried there. Given the millions that were killed, it's unsurprising, but it's still, it's still, you know, sad. So there's a small cemetery near Amiens in Othil, uh, it's called. Uh, it's only about 400 soldiers buried there. But two of them are in the Skilling Fusiliers with the name Willie McBride. Um, and that's where most of the people who visit us and they think where that's where the song is engendered. In fact, the name was just dreamt up to, to represent all the boys. That was the reason I wrote the song. It was a, a tribute to every, every soldier buried there, not just one. And in a recent documentary called Return to No Man's Land, and some 40 years after writing that song, you returned to places that inspired it, including visiting uh, the grave of, uh, of Willie McBride that you just mentioned. And mm. what, what stood out for me was that the number of crosses that people still lie or lay at that particular gravestone, thinking that it is the Willie McBride in your particular song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it disturbed me a little when I saw it. Um... I felt in some, I felt guilty for some reason, you know. I thought, well, this is not the man I wrote the song about. But then my wife, who's a common sense Aussie girl from Melbourne, she pointed out, she said, look, it doesn't matter, Eric. I mean, if your song has inspired people to pay tribute to these boys, any of these boys, then the song has worked. You know, it doesn't matter. Um... And I thought, she's right, she's right. If if the song has brought the fate and the, the courage and the sacrifice of these boys to a lot of people's attention, then that's what the song wanted to do. So, yes, yes, I, I could live with it after that. The song was recorded, again, it was one of my songs that reached number one in Ireland. Um, Ireland's been very good to me, thank God. And... Uh, it was recorded by Eddie and Finbar Fury, the Fury Brothers, way back in 1980. And they called it the Greenfields of France. They changed the name. Uh, so most people now call the song that, the Greenfields of France. 
and they had a number one hit with it, you know. Um, and it's still a very popular song. It's it's still being recorded uh, oh, five, six, seven times a year by various people. It was just um, included in uh, a competition in Ireland, Ireland's favourite folk song, the 10 favourite folk songs. What's the most favourite? And it was included in this list, which is a compliment, but, you know, I've never been one for music as com- a competitive sport, you know, so I'm not a big fan of competitions, but it was, it was a compliment. Yeah. Um, the young couple who recorded it for this uh, competition I did a beautiful job of it. So, unfortunately, songs like Matilda and No Man's Land are still relevant. Um, even though they've written about a war that's over 100 years old now, the problem about wars are that most of them have the same end result. You know, lots of dead young men. So we are now involved in, you know, at least one overseas uh, uh, deployment in Afghanistan and we're still um, people are still dying across there so and there's various other trouble spots all over the world um, so that's why I think unfortunately it sounds like the Bantling Lost Matilda and No Man's Land are still relevant um, and the fact that a song about a peculiarly Australian experience in Gallipoli reached number one in Ireland and why people all over the world sing it and why it's been recorded in about seven or eight different languages now is because the experience of war is not is not only an Australian experience, it's a worldwide experience. Everybody can understand the grief and the loss and the waste of life that a war engenders. And that's why songs like mine Unfortunately, and I use that word advisedly, unfortunately, still have relevance. Well, how do you do, Private William McBride? Do you mind if I sit here down by your grey side? And I'll rest for a while in the warm summer sun. I've been walking all day long and I'm nearly done I see by your gravestone you were only 19 when you joined the glorious fallen in 1916 well I hope you died quick and I hope you died clean or Willie McBride was it slow and obscene? Did they beat the drums slowly? Did they sound the fight lowly? Did the rifles fire or ye as they lowered you down? Did the bugles sing last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flutes of the fall? A 
And did you leave a wife for a sweetheart behind? In some faithful heart is your memory enshrined. And though you died back in 1916, to that loyal heart are you always 19? Or are you? A stranger without even a name, forever enshrined behind some glass pane, in an old photograph torn and tattered and stained, and fading to yellow in a brown leather frame. Did I beat the drum slowly? Did they sound the five lonely? Did the rifles fire on ye as they lowered you down? Did the bugles sing last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flutes of the fall? Sun shining now on these green fields of France. The warm wind blows gently and the red poppies dance. The trenches have vanished long under the plough. No gas and no barbed wire, no guns firing now. But here in this grave. God, it's still no man's land. The countless white crosses in mute witness stand. To man's blind indifference to his fellow man, and the whole generation who were butchered and damned. Did they beat the drum slowly? Did they sound the five lonely? Did the rifles fire o'er ye as they lower ye down? Did the bugles sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flutes of the
run slowly Did they sound the five lowly? Did the rifles fire or ye As they lowered you down? Did the bugles sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flutes of the forest? Did the bugles sing the last post in chorus? Did the pipes play the flutes of the forest? Eric, in January 1987, you were appointed a member of the Order of Australia in recognition of service to the performing arts as a songwriter and singer. I mean, you're well mm. known for many other songs. You toured in 2018. What's Eric Bogle doing now? <laughs> Sitting in his home in Adelaide trying to keep warm. <laughs> um I'm still very much involved musically. Um, I'm still trying to write songs. I'm to still go that particular well as as I've visited it so many times now that it's it's difficult for me to to come up with something or some subject that I haven't already written a song about over the last forty years. Um, the impetus for any creative art is that um, you've got to care. You've got to care what's happening. You've got to have faith. You've got to have optimism. Um, and that's what creates paintings and, not, you know, great art. I'm not saying mine's is at all. But, um, and I'm still, my optimism isn't as much as it used to be. But I still care what happens to the human race. I still care what happens to Mother Earth. Um, and so long as I feel like that, I'll keep writing songs um, to try to express a personal point of view. Right from day one, I wrote the songs not really for public consumption. That was just a byproduct and a bonus. I wrote them for myself, you know, to to try and make sense of the world I was living in and my attitude towards certain things, you know. Um, so it helped me crystallise my feelings and uh, helped me express myself and helped keep me sane. Um, that's still the case. Mm. Um, I'm 75 years old in September. Now, that's a fairly big number. Mm. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying, age is just a number. Yes, it is, but this one's a big one. So... And at that age, you tend to become a bit more self-obsessed, you know, because, you know, you're in the last quarter of your life and uh, uh, your body's beginning to fall to pieces and your friends are beginning to, you know, disappear. Um, so it's a hard time in your life to to stop thinking about yourself and keep thinking about others. Um, I'm finding that now, but I'm still trying to be involved with what's happening around me and try to be a, a, a citizen of this country and not to become totally self-obsessed with the fact I'm getting old and going to die shortly, you know. Um, and music in that sense is a great comfort, you know. Um, once I get 
into the songwriting, then everything else fades away. And just me in the words, um, in that place where we've been for the last 40 years. And it's a, it's an exciting place and it's a comforting place. Um, so, sort of paradoxically, I should be seeking it more than ever. <laughs> so, as far as physical touring goes, I don't do nearly as much as that. You know, I just don't travel all that well these days. Uh, so, but I still do the occasional festival gig or the concert just to keep my hand in and, and remind people I'm still around. Um, and what else can I do anyway? Uh, this is what I've done for the last 40, 50 years of my life. Um, so until I fall over, David, which will hopefully be around 2045 AD, <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep doing what I'm doing, or at least I'll try, in yeah. spite of all the other, uh, you know, challenges and, uh, and grief, uh, you know, I remember reading Sigrid Sassoon's book uh, many years ago, and he had a phrase in one of these descriptions when he was in the Western Front, and I became, and I, I trudged back into the deepening grief, deepening grief of life, and that's a phrase that I've always remembered. And as you get older, it tends to be more relevant, uh, but yeah, I'm not dead yet so I'll keep trying and writing and and hoping and dreaming and drinking whiskey and singing songs as I've always done and, and that's uh, where I'm just now and that's brilliant <laughs> and where, where can people go to find out more about Eric Bogle oh how the oh, your local police gazette <laughs> <laughs> um, well I'm not I'm on Facebook uh, that's it basically I I um, had a website and I wasn't, um, you know, came up to date. So I, I scrapped that a couple of years ago. I now go on Facebook, but I tend to uh, not publicize myself on my gigs on Facebook. Uh, I tend to just try to keep in touch with friends and family. Um, I can't, you know, I, I don't have an agent and I don't have a publicist. Um, I sort of arrange my own gigs, um, you know, I wait for the phone to ring and somebody offer me money. Um, so I've never had the machine behind me, if you like, uh, so that people will know where I'm going to be and all that sort of stuff. And I don't have a mailing list, uh, you know, all this. Uh, um, so how can you find me? Good luck. <laughs> well, my gigs are uh, well hidden. Um, but the word gets out somehow. It does. Uh, a, you know, my friends on Facebook page say, oh, Eric's appearing at this and that. And, uh, people still seem to turn up. So, uh, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not Ed Sheeran. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for your time today. It's really much appreciated. That was my pleasure. That's the podcast for today. You can find the relevant links discussed in this podcast on our Facebook page. We're keen to hear your feedback. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, and if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Finally, if you're interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. 
You can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com forward slash thanks for your service. The version of the last post is courtesy of Rachel Bostock. You can find links to her music on our website and Facebook page. Thanks for listening. <laughs>